everyone, welcome to a new episode of Luke's English Podcast. This one is quite a long one, so strap in, although of course that's not necessarily a bad thing. In fact, um, I got a, uh, an encouraging message on that subject on Facebook just now. In fact, I'm just trying to find it here uh, on the Facebook page for Luke's English Podcast, which you can find very easily by just searching Facebook for Luke's English Podcast, and you'll see all the other little bits and pieces that I share on there. Okay, here it is. And it's from uh, a listener called Nguyen Dui Huang Min, uh, which is a name I can't pronounce very well. But anyway, Nguyen Dui Dui Huang Min said, uh, one of the features I love most about your podcasts is their length. It's very interesting for me to submerge in English for hours without clicking many times. Smiley face. Okay, well, Nguyen Dui Huang Min, here's another long episode for you to submerge yourself into. And um, just before we go any further, let me mention the sponsor for this episode of the podcast, and that's italki. And uh, I've mentioned italki many times, so I just want to remind you that italki may be a bit more than you think, uh, because you can get Skype lessons from qualified teachers, but also you can have conversations with devoted community tutors, and they are cheaper than normal lessons. You can connect with motivated language learners from around the world in their social network. Uh, and you can organise language exchanges with English speakers that you will find on italki, as well as uh, read motivating and useful articles about language learning. And all of it can contribute greatly to the development of your fluency and confidence in English. Um, there's a reason why italki sponsors Luke's English Podcast, and it's because they are an ideal service for my listeners. It's a great sort of companion to listening to the podcast. You can listen to the podcast and you can actually do all your speaking and activate your English uh, using italki. And remember that because you're a Lepster, you can benefit from the offer that they have for you. Uh, when you buy some lessons, italki will automatically send you a voucher worth 100 italki credits, which you can use as a discount in the future. Uh, to get started, go to teacherluke.co.uk forward slash talk or click an italki logo on my website. Okay then, so let's now start this new episode and here we go. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Luke's English Podcast. How are you doing out there in podcast land? You're doing all right? Uh, I hope so. I hope you're basically happy and comfortable wherever you are and whatever it is you're doing, wherever you're going or wherever you've been. Um, and uh, so here's another episode. And this one is called British Comedy Limmy's Show. And this is one of those episodes in which um, I'm going to go through some comedy with you and try to help you understand it, basically. And um, I've done a few of these types of episodes before, these British comedy episodes. So I, I've done, I did one about Ali G. I did one about Peter Cook and Dudley Moore. Uh, I did a couple of episodes about Monty Python. And I did one about uh, a comedian called Tim Vine. Um, and um, I've always planned to do lots more of these episodes about British comedy. Um, I, and originally, I was sort of vaguely planning to go through uh, different bits of British comedy in chronological order over a ser you know over a fairly long series of episodes, 
um, starting with something like uh, The Goon Show and then Peter Cook and Dudley Moore and then Monty Python and then moving up through different kind of classic bits of British TV comedy that we've had over the years. Um, so I was going to do it all in chronological order. But um, to be honest, I feel like I just feel like doing episodes about British comedy on a much more random basis, um, kind of probably based on the stuff that I've just been watching uh, recently. Um, so that's what I'm going to do. So it's not in chronological order. In fact, it might appear to be quite random. But uh, anyway, in these episodes about British comedy, the plan is that I will um, kind of go through a bit of comedy that you might get from a TV show or a film or something. Um, and it's British comedy. I've chosen to narrow the focus down to British comedy. I could do stuff about American things as well, but um, focusing on British comedy because this is Luke's English podcast and we do British English uh, on this podcast mainly. Um, so um, now I've recently be been watching um, videos from Limmy's show on YouTube. I've just been enjoying it recently. In fact, I've always enjoyed um, uh, Limmy's videos and I've always been meaning to do something about this on the podcast because I think that it's worth sharing. Um, so Limmy's show is a, a kind of comedy sketch show that uh, used to be broadcast on BBC Scotland. And uh, I'll tell you more about Limmy's show in a moment. It's basically produced by this guy called Brian Limmond, who's also known as Limmy. Um, and, you know, he's sort of started out doing um, podcasts and YouTube videos on his own and doing performances at things like the Edinburgh Comedy Festival. And then he got his TV show, and uh, I think there are about two, maybe three series of his TV show that were originally broadcast on, on BBC Scotland, not broadcast in England. So just Scottish TV. They were just on on Scottish, um, on the BBC in Scotland. Um, then those shows were released on DVD, so, you know, uh, people in England and other parts of the country could buy them. Um, and they sold fairly well. I think it's kind of a cult um, show, really. It's not a mainstream show. It's not the kind of thing that everyone in the UK knows about. It's fairly popular with a cult audience. Do you know what I mean? Uh, cult. That means um, if, if something is a cult show, uh, it means that it's very, very popular with a fairly small audience. Okay, and I count myself in that audience, and so does my brother James. I think James is the one who introduced me to Lim Limmy's show in the first place. He sent me lots of videos, and, and you know, said you've got to check out this show; it's really good. Um, so, not everyone in the UK knows it, but enough people know about Limmy's show for it to be, you know, um, fairly successful on DVD. And uh, since the show, uh, Limmy has done other things, like he's written uh, several books. And he's done um, live shows uh, on the back of the success of his television show. Um, so um, I'll tell you a little bit more about Limmy's show in a moment. Uh, but let me just give you an overview of what you're going to get in this episode. So first of all, you're going to get, obviously, some listening. Um, now, that's obvious because you always get listening on, on Luke's English podcast. But this one's going to be a little different. It's going to be a, a, a little bit tricky a bit difficult for you, probably, because you'll be listening to a couple of sketches that might be hard to understand 
for various reasons. But anyway, you're going to get some listening practice, not just the usual listening practice, but some slightly more in, slightly more intensive and p- possibly challenging listening. Um, also, you're going to get some culture in this one. Um, because, um, because this is comedy, uh, there's a lot of unspoken meaning, which you might not notice. Um, So we're dealing with comedy. And as we know, probably from episodes of this podcast before, when I've talked about comedy and humor, uh, there's so much that goes into uh, comedy. It's so multi-layered that it involves not only your ability to understand all of the words being said, but also many other things like the general mindset of the people producing the comedy and and all that stuff. Um, Humour is well known for being one of the most difficult things to pick up on in another language, um, which is precisely why it's a good idea for me to go through some comedy with you on this podcast from time to time. Now, um, yeah, I'm going to play some comedy to you. And of course, you might not get it, you might not understand it, uh, you might not find it to be funny. And that's fine, absolutely fine. Um, You know, to an extent, it's just a question of taste. Uh, and what I find enjoyable might just leave you completely cold. So it could be a question of taste, but it could also be a question of cultural context. Um, In fact, in my experience of being a teacher, I've noticed many cases of my students just not getting comedy when it's shown to them. And I'm not talking about my crappy jokes that I might tell in class sometimes, uh, but I'm talking about, you know, moments when in English lessons, I've chosen to uh, show some bits of comedy on, on, you know, on the TV screen. um, And it's just fallen completely flat, uh, to the point where, you know, no one, in some cases, people didn't even realize that it was comedy. You know, so it you know completely flying over people's heads. Now, obviously, I know that depends on the level of the the students in that room. But I've done stuff with you know higher level students, uh, some fairly subtle, nuanced bits of comedy that has just completely flown over people's heads, and they haven't realised it. For example, something like uh, The Office, Ricky Gervais's TV show, The Office. And not just Ricky Gervais, it was produced by Ricky Gervais and, uh, and, and Stephen Merchant. Um, so The Office is nowadays considered to be a classic bit of British comedy. Not everyone likes it, but you know the vast majority of people agree that it's funny and that it's, it's brilliant. Um, um, uh, and I remember showing The Office to students once and they didn't even realise it was comedy. They didn't even realise. They just, you know, they couldn't pick up on those nuances. Now, it's often with comedy, and I don't know if this is just true of British comedy. It might be just true of British comedy, but probably not. Um, I mean, not not exclusively true of British comedy, but uh, that, that often these days, uh, comedy that you see on TV isn't always obviously comedy. Um, for example, you don't get stuff like a laughter track you know that kind of fake laughter that is added onto a comedy show on television? Um, you know, it's like a, the, the sound of an audience laughing in the background. Um, often, you know, comedy shows, certainly in the past, used to add these kinds of fake laughter tracks on there just so that 
it was obvious that it was comedy and just to kind of give the atmosphere of of it being funny and so on and you know if you hear an audience of people laughing then it kind of reinforces where the jokes are and it reinforces the fact that you're supposed to be laughing at this kind of stuff these days it's much less common to have a laughter track in the background. In fact, many modern comedies that you get on British television and equally on American TV with the more sort of um, the kind of fly-on-the-wall style comedies like Parks and Recreation, for example, um, these days you get comedy on television which just looks like, it, it, you know, it could look like a documentary or it could look like a, a fly-on-the-wall documentary, you know, one of those shows where the cameraman just follows people around in their everyday lives. It, the, the You know, the camera is, is kind of shaky and, um, you know, it's not obvious that it's comedy. So uh, what am I trying to say? That, yeah, I showed The Office to um, some students and they didn't even notice that it was comedy. Um, so what I'm saying is that... Uh, Sure, it's a question, you know, under, understanding and enjoying comedy is a question of taste on one hand, but also it's a question of culture and a question of language. Um, and, um, you know, as I said, even stuff that's considered by the majority of people to be funny just sometimes doesn't work with learners of English, even ones who have a pretty good level, uh, because they don't get the nuances of, of the language and the cultural references. You know, it's not really until you get to quite a proficient level of English that you start to notice the unspoken humour or subtlety of a piece of comedy in English. Now, that's not always true. Obviously, some comedy is just obviously funny, like especially kind of physical comedy or slightly more, and I don't mean to sound patronising, but slightly more basic types of comedy, um, you know, is obviously easy to understand and easy to, to enjoy, you know, no matter what your level of English uh, like, you know, something like Mr. Bean is a famous example of British comedy that has um, been very successful around the world because to understand and enjoy Mr. Bean, you don't really need to get the language. In fact, there is no language in Mr. Bean. You know, it's just, oh, 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 hello, you know, just that. And he's trying to, like, have a picnic and um, he keeps getting bothered by a fly and then he takes his trousers off, you know, pretty basic stuff. But um, the more complex uh, comedy stuff that you get on TV in the UK is harder to understand um, if you're learning English. And, you know, this is because it requires really advanced English skills to notice the nuances and subtleties that make something amusing, but also because of the difference in the mindset or the cultural context. Now, you simply might not find it funny just because of various cultural conventions. Um, you know, like certain cultural conventions about what the Brits uh, find to be suitable subjects for, for humour uh, uh, versus what, you know, what might be conventional in comedy in your culture. Um, and, you know, the people often say that the British have a, uh, a, a specific sense of humour. Um, some people sometimes disparagingly talk about British comedy um, you know, like I've heard many times before people saying, oh, what is this British comedy? Like as if British comedy is this thing that's not really funny, uh, which I find to be a little disappointing when someone says that, like, what is this British comedy? Uh, for me, that's a bit like an English person going into a, a French wine cellar's uh, 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 place and going, what is, you know, tasting some French wine and saying, what is this French wine? 
you know i mean just because someone doesn't really understand it doesn't mean that it's it's not funny anyway um so people do sometimes disparagingly refer to british comedy as being weird unfunny or surreal or conceptual uh or even intellectual and british comedy is not really that intellectual but it is subtle and i think that we just have maybe a broad scope for for comedy um Anyway, I'm not going to get bogged down in trying to explain British comedy because that's that's just really, really difficult um, to try and do. And anyway, as I've said on the podcast before, uh, explaining jokes just kind of kills the jokes. So, um, I'm, you know, I, I shouldn't get bogged down in doing that. What's better, what's a better idea is to just show it to you or just play some comedy f- to you and then try to help you understand it as best I can. Uh, but the point I was trying to make is is that um, I essentially, with an episode like this, I want to try to close the gap between what I understand and enjoy about a comedy sketch and what you might understand and enjoy about it too. And I don't mean to suggest that you're not going to understand it. I'm sure that many of you will get it. Uh, but equally, I'm sure that plenty of you won't get it. And what I don't want you to do is if you don't get the, the, the joke or don't find it funny or amusing, I don't want you to just go away thinking that the comedy itself is rubbish. You have to also understand that there might be a cultural or linguistic gap. And so what I'm trying to do is bridge that cultural gap and bridge that linguistic gap uh, by doing an episode like this. So you'll get some cultural stuff in this episode uh, in terms of the mindset of of, of comedy. Um, vocabulary as well. There, there is some good meaty vocab in the sketches that we're going to hear um, from several different registers of English. Um, so you will hear some slightly formal spoken English um, English spoken by an executive level businessman talking to the police. And also you'll get some informal English with slang spoken in a regional dialect. Um, so there will be vocabulary. Um, also accent as well. So the sketches that we're going to study in this episode are all set in the Glasgow area of Scotland. So you will be hearing some English spoken with Glasgow accents. Some of those accents quite mild and some of them really strong. Okay, so you're going to get to hear uh, another variety of English in, in this episode. And also amusement, I hope. Um, I hope that you find it amusing to listen to these sketches. Um, and uh, yeah, so who knows, as well as uh, all of this English practice, you might also simply enjoy the sketches. Um, I certainly hope so. Okay, so Limmy's show. What is Limmy's show? I've already said a couple of things, but let me just uh, kind of explain it to you uh, as clearly as I can. So Limmy's show is a sketch show um, a sketch show, so you know, a show with ser- a series of little scenes involving characters in some kind of situation, and each sketch is usually a couple of minutes long, and they involve different characters, you know, in some kind of amusing situation. So, it's a sketch show uh, which was broadcast on the BBC in Scotland a few years ago. Uh, a lot of the sketches from Limmy's show are on YouTube, uh, and in fact, that's where I've seen. Basically, all of Limmy's show, I've just seen it as those individual sketches uploaded onto YouTube. Um, 
uh, Limmy himself, Brian Limmond, uh, also known as Limmy, has a YouTube channel and he puts up lots of his own um, sketches and little videos and video blogs and stuff onto his YouTube channel. So there's a lot of stuff on Limmy's channel as well. By the way, as usual, you'll find uh, links and embedded videos on the page for this episode on my website so you can kind of find out all that stuff um, really conveniently. Um, so Limmy's show is written and directed by this guy from Glasgow called Brian Limmond, also known as Limmy. Um, and I think, as I said, I've, I've said all this, haven't I? He got the show after getting well-known from his podcast and from doing his Edinburgh show. And then he got a cult following on the internet, which led to him getting his TV show, blah, 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 blah. It was broadcast in Scotland, but it wasn't broadcast in England. Um, and so the Scottishness, um, I think that the, the, the Scottishness of Limmy's show is a large part of the appeal of the show. That's what makes it so appealing, certainly for me. I think that it has a lot to do with it. All of the characters in the sketches are Scottish and they speak mostly with Glaswegian accents and the scenes all take place in and around Glasgow. Uh, Glasgow, of course, being, you know, Scotland's second city. It's this big industrial city um, on the sort of western side of uh, uh, Scotland, sort of um, just in the southwest corner of Scotland, basically. You've got Edinburgh on the east side and Glasgow on the west side. Edinburgh is the the, the, the old capital, uh, but Glasgow is one of these big industrial uh, cities. And Glasgow is, um, you know, a, a diverse place. Um, it was uh, the city of culture, uh, the European city of culture of a few years ago, and it's got you know a broad, diverse range of different uh, types of people living there. Uh, one of the things that we often sort of hear about Glasgow is that there are uh, lots of poor areas in the city as well. Um, you know, areas where you know people are living in poverty and pretty rough places. You sometimes hear about the levels of crime in Glasgow. Um, and, um, and, you know, it's probably true, but that's not the only kind of life that you get in Glasgow. Of course, there are rich people, there are poor people, all sorts of stuff. Um, and also the strong accent that we associate with Glasgow as well. And, and uh, you know, people often say that the, a Glaswegian accent is one of the most difficult accents in English to understand. Um, so uh, the sketches in Limmy's show uh, feature different characters. Almost all of them are played by Limmy himself. Uh, and he plays a range of characters from different social backgrounds. Uh, the sketches are often quite sort of bizarre. They're quite surreal. They're a bit dark sometimes. You know, they're dealing with fairly dark uh, ideas and themes. And also, they're sometimes they're just very stupid and silly. Um, often, uh, the sketches feature characters with uh, kind of strange behaviour. Or sometimes it's just Limmy talking directly to the camera um, about an aspect of life that he's noticed. So it's a mix of sort of dark humour and observational humour, um, quite sort of clever stuff and quite stupid stuff. Um, some of the sketches just make me think or, or even confuse me a little bit, but in a good way. Sometimes the sketches are laugh-out-loud funny. Uh, sometimes they're just kind of amusing and interesting. And sometimes they're they're just kind of a bit curious in the way that they present fairly odd observations about everyday life. Some sketches are a bit disturbing and dark, and others are even a little bit sad as well. All in all, 
Limmy's show is original and refreshingly unconventional, as well as being funny. Um, and as I said, it's kind of a cult show with a fairly cult level of appeal. Um, so I don't know. I wonder if you find it funny. I think if you like this podcast, then there's a good chance that you'll also like Limmy's show. But let's see. Um, it's it's also worth mentioning again the significance of the accents that you will hear in Limmy's show. As I said, they're all Scottish, specifically Glaswegian. Some of the characters speak with very heavy Glaswegian accents. And I think that's part of the appeal of the show, to be honest. Uh, you don't often hear such kind of specific Glaswegian accents on television, certainly in England anyway. Um, sometimes uh, those accents are difficult to understand. And uh, if you don't come from Glasgow, you know, they can even be completely impossible to understand. Uh, even some people from the UK, like, for example, people from London, struggle to understand the show uh, sometimes, or they struggle to understand Glaswegian, strong Glaswegian accents. Generally speaking, I would say that I understand... Glaswegian accents most of the time, although I've met people who speak with very strong Glaswegian accents and I've not really understood them. But I do understand Limmy's show. I suppose it's easier when you're watching a video rather than sort of actually talking to a person in real life. But um, um, it's a, you know, it is pretty different. The, the, the Glaswegian dialect is really pretty different and sometimes it can be hard to understand. Um, um, so there, there are, if you look on YouTube at Limmy's videos, there are often lots of comments on YouTube from foreigners around the world, including native English speakers in America, who say that they can't understand anything in the sketches. You, you'll see that in the comments section. Some people on YouTube even request transcriptions of some of the sketches because they can't understand them. And you can see then that other people have written out full transcriptions of those sketches in the comments section on YouTube. And there are, you know, then lots of other comments from people saying, oh, thanks so much. I never could have understood this without the transcript, which is kind of a little disappointing in a sense that, you know, um, that people aren't familiar enough with the Glaswegian dialect in order to be able to understand it, because ultimately it's about familiarity. So that's a bit disappointing that, for example, the Glaswegian voices are not represented on mainstream British uh, television uh, enough. Um, and uh, anyway, so you get the idea that this is going to be some proper Glaswegian English that you're going to hear on the podcast today. Um, and I can't believe how long this introduction is. It's 23 minutes in already. Uh, anyway, for me, the Glaswegian accent, the Glaswegian dialects in Limmy's uh, sketches, that accent is one of the reasons I like Limmy's work so much. I love the accent. It's awesome. I love hearing the particularities of the way these characters pronounce words and phrase their sentences. Um, in a way, it becomes more expressive and characterful um, to the extent that the accent and speech pattern is a large part of what makes the sketches so fascinating and enjoyable for me. Okay, so let's enjoy listening to Glaswegian English here on the podcast today. Um, so I've got a few sketches that I would like to deal with uh, from a couple of different characters from Limmy's show. I'd like to go through loads of these sketches, but I can't do them all, obviously. So I've picked out just a couple of sketches that I like and that uh, feature slightly different accents and characters showing a bit of diversity in the way that they speak. Um, I would just like to say that you can buy Limmy's show on DVD. 
And I strongly recommend that you do that because it's uh, really interesting. And if you want to watch all of it, you can just, you know, get the DVDs. Um, also, you can check out Limmy's uh, YouTube channel where a lot of his work is posted too. Um, so we're going to start with a sketch uh, featuring a character called Mr. Mulvaney, uh, who is an executive level businessman from Glasgow. Okay, so this is Limmy as Mr. Mulvaney, this businessman from Glasgow. And here's how we're going to do this. All right. First of all, um, I'll give you a brief introduction to the sketch, and then I will just play the sketch to you without too much explanation. Okay, I'm just going to play it to you. I want you to just listen and try to follow what's going on. Uh, just try to follow what's happening. If you don't find it funny, then no bother. It doesn't matter. Just try to work out what's happening. Uh, I'll give you a little bit of detail at the start um, and then play you the sketch. And afterwards, I will explain what happened and talk about why I think it's funny. And then I'll go through that sketch in more detail, pausing after each bit, explaining vocabulary, uh, explaining you know accent differences and repeating what he says um, so that you can understand all of it just like I do, okay? Um, you, as I said, you can find the videos on my site if you want to watch them again and again. All right, so that's the process. And we're going to start now with Mr. Mulvaney and the police. Um, and um, so here's the scene. Let me just describe the scene at the beginning because obviously you can't see this. So let me just explain it to you. So Mr. Mulvaney is a, um, uh, what he looks like a, a very serious businessman. And he's sitting in his modern-looking office, um, and he appears to be the director of this company called uh, the Mulvaney Group, which looks like a very big corporate company. We don't know what it does. It could be a law firm or something. Um, but anyway, it looks very corporate. And Mr. Mulvaney is sitting there in a suit, and he's got grey hair. Uh, the company logo shows that this is the Mulvaney Group, and he looks very serious. His office building is an open-plan office with glass partitions between each section. So Mr. Mulvaney is sitting alone in his room, but he can see outside into the rest of the uh, rest of the the large office through the glass walls. And um, the first thing that happens is he calls his secretary uh, to order a taxi for later on. And it's all, it's all very businesslike and serious. And then, as soon as he's called his secretary, he sees through the glass window, he sees a couple of police officers in uniform enter the building and talk to someone on reception. And at this point, Mr. Mulvaney panics. And you can see it in, in, in his face. Uh, you know, it's a great performance by Limmy. His eyes go all wide and he freezes and panics when he sees the police. And that's basically the setup for the for the sketch. So here is that sketch then, starting right now. So Mr. Mulvaney's in his office and he's gonna call his secretary now. Hello, reception. Kathy, I will be flying down to the shareholders meeting tomorrow, so could you ensure that you big me a taxi for the airport, please? No problem. Thank you. And now he's just seen the police walk in and he's shocked. He looks shocked and panicked on his face. And he's now going to talk to himself. Okay. Okay, this is it. You knew this was coming. Just get your act together here. Come on. Um, hi, officer. How can I help you? Um, Mr. Mulvaney, yesterday, were you in the vicinity of 
Yesterday, yes, I believe I was uh, travelling through that area on my way to a business meeting. Why, what is it that's happened? Well, Mr. Mulvaney, um, an incident occurred about by such and such. I see, well, uh, uh, like I said, I'll pass through that area. Sorry, I can't help you. I didn't see anything. Hope, hope you catch the guy. Well, Mr. Mulvaney, um, the witness has came forward and identified you as a... I beg your pardon? You're saying I did this? You're accusing, you're accusing me of being a shoplifter? <laughs> it's ludicrous. Not, exa not exactly as I'm supposed to have uh, pinched a kinder surprise, Kathy. What the hell is that? You're accusing me of stealing a, a, a chocolate egg with a... A toy and said, okay, just, I don't know who's, but name and number officer, both of you, Cathy, take a note of this, name and number, both of you, how dare you come into my office and accuse... Cathy? Hi, that's your taxi book for 9am tomorrow morning. Thank you. Cathy, did I just see a couple of police come in here earlier? Yes, she did. They were asking Mr Crookshanks to turn off his car alarm. Okay, I see it. Uh, thank you. stops <laughs> this stops now all right so did you understand that did you understand what was going on any idea all right let me just summarize what happened okay so he's sitting there in his office uh, he calls his secretary it's just a you know routine call he's asking her to order a taxi for him fine he's a businessman uh, then he notices the police walk in and he panics he looks all panicked and he starts to talk to himself in the office and he's going, okay, okay, <sighs> calm down, relax. We knew this was going to happen. We knew this was going to happen. Let's just make sure we've got our story straight. So he's practicing uh, his story. So obviously he's done something and, um, you know, he's seen the police and he's assuming that the police are coming in coming in to ask him questions and that any minute now they're going to walk into his office and start questioning him so we're thinking oh dear what's mr mulvaney done and it looks you know maybe he's like committed a murder or something uh you know maybe he's done some terrible crime and now he's trying to work out what's what his story is going to be so he starts practicing on his own how he's going to deal with the police uh the police questions okay and he's going, okay, okay, let's get this straight. Let's let's just uh, work out the story. And he starts sort of uh, role-playing the conversation with the police. And he's he's doing the voice of the police asking him questions. It's like, oh, Mr. Mulvaney, were you perhaps in the vicinity of uh, this shop, uh, you know, uh, last week? And Mr. Mulvaney starts to act like he's innocent. And he's basically practicing... Uh, how he's going to answer these difficult questions and working out what his story is going to be so that he can get away with the crime that he's committed. And we don't know what the crime is until sort of the middle of the episode, the middle of the sketch when uh, Mr. Mulvaney um, says, what, you, wait a minute, you're, you're accusing me. You think that I did this. You think that y uh, you're saying that I'm guilty of, of shoplifting we work out that he hasn't committed murder or anything. In fact, it's revealed that the crime that he's so worried about being caught for is that he's been shoplifting. So shoplifting means stealing stealing something from a shop 
for example, you know, the sort of thing that kids might do or teenagers would do, going into a shop and stealing a chocolate bar. It's shoplifting. So it's, it is a crime. It's not a particularly serious crime. It's a petty crime, really. And it's not the kind of thing that we expected this high-powered businessman to have done. We thought he'd maybe, like, killed someone or, you know, probably, like, murdered a prostitute or something. You know, the sort of thing that you get from this kind of uh, scene in a more serious drama. Um, but it turns out that it's just a case of shoplifting. So he's all paranoid, imagining that the police are coming to question him about the theft of a, of a, of a cream egg. A cream egg is a, a chocolate egg, basically. Um, and uh, uh, so he's practicing his story and his excuse. Um, then the phone rings in his office again, and he picks it up, and it's his secretary just confirming that she's booked the taxi for him. Uh, that's it. Just a normal, ordinary call, just confirming that the taxi's been booked. And he says, oh, uh, by the way, did I see a couple of police officers? Because, the, by the way, the police have disappeared. So when he looks up again, they're not there. Did I see a couple of police officers in here earlier? And the secretary says, yes, yes, they were just in here about uh, Mr. They were just, uh, they wanted to, t- wanted to talk to Mr. Crookshanks uh, to ask him to turn off his car alarm. So apparently the, the police had only come in because someone's car alarm was going off and they wanted to ask him to, to turn it off. So it's nothing to do with this this shoplifting thing. And Mr. Mulvaney is, you know, he puts the phone down and then he's deeply relieved, you know, like, oh, what a relief when he realises that the police aren't actually looking for him. And at that point, he he, he decides that he's going to have to, he's going to stop all of this shoplifting. And when he says... This stops now. It's him telling himself that he has to stop shoplifting. And at that that's the point that we realise that apparently he sort of is a routine shoplifter and he seems to have some sort of weird shoplifting habit. So there isn't really a punchline at the end of the sketch, okay? If you were expecting some kind of funny line at the end, there isn't really a, a punchline. Instead, it's just a gradual reveal of this serious businessman who we... You know, we then learn slowly that he's got some sort of obsessive compulsive disorder relating to uh, the, the the shoplifting of like petty items like little chocolate bars, and that he's under this under this cool exterior, he's you know uh, full of panic uh, about his obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, relating to the theft of chocolate bars, which in fact isn't really that serious and probably nobody cares, but he's panicking about it as if it's a kind of like a, like his life is on the line, like he's going to be arrested for murder and he's going to go to prison and his life is going to be ruined. Okay, so that's basically the the, the summary of the sketch. Um, you might not have got it. I don't know if you found it funny. The The, the things that I like about it are uh, um, the the let's see the the fact that it's a high powered businessman who's involved in a petty theft, and that's kind of funny because of the contrast be- between his high status as a businessman and the low status nature of the crime. Uh, there's also a funny contrast between the serious way that he's acting and the pettiness of the crimes that he's committed. Um, also the reveal and comedy sometimes comes from the reveal of something that's previously hidden uh and the 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 Mulvaney scene 
reveals uh, something about his personality and what he's done. Uh, that he's the managing director of a company. It's a very serious role. But then it's revealed that his life is on the edge of spinning out of control, like in some kind of thriller. Uh, also, there's the performance. Um, and if you watch the video, you'll see more of the performance. Uh, and I think it's just a good performance, really. Um, Limmy uh, switches between different attitudes quite quickly, uh, which is enjoyable to watch. Uh, so he starts with the calm, controlled, business-like manner. And then that switches to panic and the fear of being caught by the police. And then that switches to him trying to get a grip on himself. And then that switches to him playing the part of the police officer very convincingly, just this kind of, you know, police officer going through the routine of asking, you know, standard questions. And that switches to the performance of Mr. Mulvaney acting all angry and indignant and shocked when the police suggest that he might have committed the crime. Like, wait a minute, you're, you're, you think I did it, you know, um, and uh, protesting his innocence and then the relief of, of him realizing that he's got away with it and then the determination to stop this kind of cr crazy behavior and make sure that he never does it again. So all these different shifts in attitude uh, are just enjoyable to, to observe. Um, and also, I think there's something to do with this kind of cliches or conventions of television uh, because this is the sort of scene that we have had many times before in TV shows and in books and films. You know, there are lots of thrillers in which someone in a very high status position has committed a serious crime. And when the police track them down and come to ask questions, they act all cooperative and yet uh, and, and completely innocent while silently panicking on the inside you know like every other murder mystery drama has a character like this in it the high-powered businessman who's committed a terrible crime and is trying to get away with it and he's trying to sort of lie to the police and he looks all cool on the surface but inside he's panicking you know every murder mystery drama on television has a character like that but this time it's played for laughs because the crime is not serious at all it's just a stolen chocolate bar or something um, okay, you know what, let's listen to the sketch again, and this time I'm going to pause it um, after each bit, because you probably didn't understand everything he said because of the accent, so let's go through that again, and I'll pause it and try to explain it for you. Okay, he's sitting in his office, he's picking up the phone, calling his secretary... Hello, reception. Hello, reception... Okay, hello reception. Kathy, I will be flying down to the shareholders meeting tomorrow. So I will be flying down to the shareholders meeting tomorrow. I will be flying down to the shareholders meeting tomorrow. I will be flying down to the shareholders meeting tomorrow. So he's taking a flight to some shareholders meeting tomorrow, probably in London. Um, I'll be flying down to the shareholders meeting tomorrow. So could you book me a taxi? I think that's what he says. To the shareholders meeting tomorrow. So could you ensure that you book me a taxi for the airport, please? Could you, it's quite formal sounding. Could you ensure that you book me a taxi to the airport? Is it a taxi or transfer? Book me a taxi for the airport. Could you ensure that you book me a taxi? Shareholders meeting tomorrow, so could you ensure that you book me a taxi for the airport, please? Could you ensure that you book me a taxi for the airport, please? Could you ensure that you book me a taxi? Ensure. It's a bit like saying, can you make sure you book me a taxi? It's quite formal language. The less formal version would be, 
Um, I'm I'm flying to the shareholders meeting tomorrow. So could you make sure that you book a taxi for me tomorrow? Could you ensure that you book me a taxi tomorrow? No problem. Thank you. No problem. Thank you. And then we see the police. And Mr. Mulvaney, you can see on his expression, he panics. And now he's going to start talking to himself. Okay. Okay. That's okay. Okay. Can you, have the, you can hear the accent, right? I would say, okay. He's saying, okay. Okay. Now, Mr. Mulvaney is, you know, I think quite, um, you know, he's a, uh, a rich, successful businessman. And he's speaking in formal language. Um, so, you know, it just shows that the, this accent, um, uh, it, oh, what am I trying to say? It's, it's not a question of status. He's a high status guy uh, speaking in this way. Uh, you might not be able to understand what he's saying or you might notice that it's different. But, you know, he's still uh, a high, high status person. So his accent isn't any bearing on his social status. OK, this is it. You knew this was coming. Just get your act together here. Come on. Okay, this is it. You knew this was coming. You knew this was coming. Just get your act together. Just get your act together. If you get your act together, it's like basically sort of saying, come on, get control of yourself. You know, if you're feeling very nervous or you're panicking about something, you might say, okay, come on, get your act together. Get your act together. Come on, get your act together. Get your act together. Contr get yourself under control. Okay, get your act together. This is okay, it. Okay, this is it. You knew this was coming. Just get your act together here. Come on. Um... Hi, officer. How can I help you? Hi, officer. How can I help you? So here he is uh, pretending to talk to the officers now, like going through this uh, this situation uh, to practice his story. Hi, officer. How can I help you? Um, Mr. Mulvaney, yesterday, well, you in the vicinity of... Mr. Mulvaney, uh, yesterday, were you in the vicinity of... And so the police officer doesn't finish the question because it's, you know, just like a general, typical question the police officer would ask. Were you in the vicinity of the Smith Street area? Were you in the vicinity of? If someone is in the vicinity of something, it means that they're in, they're, they're nearby, in the nearby area. And it's the kind of thing a police officer would ask. Were you in the vicinity of uh, the Smith Street area yesterday at 3 p.m.? Meaning, uh, were you near Smith Street yesterday at 3 p.m.? Were you in the vicinity of it? V-I-C-I-N-I-T-Y, I believe. Uh, let me just check the spelling of that. Let me just check the spelling of vicinity. Vicinity. Uh, yes, V-I-C-I-N-I-T-Y. In the vicinity of means in the area near or surrounding a particular place. Were you in the vicinity of blah, blah, blah? Um, Mr. Mulvaney, yesterday, well, you in the vicinity of... Yesterday, yes, I believe I was, uh... Yesterday. You can hear the way he says yesterday, right? Yesterday, that's me, and he... Yesterday, I can't do it. It's really hard to do, to be honest. Yesterday. Yesterday, uh, were you in the vicinity of... Uh, uh, let me see, and you now, uh, yesterday. I believe I was, uh, travelling through that area... I, w I believe I was travelling through that area. I believe I was travelling through that area. Yesterday, yes, I believe I was uh, travelling through that area on my way to a business meeting. Why, what is it that's happened? Well, Mr Mulvaney, um, an incident occurred about by... An incident occurred. Well, Mr Va Mulvaney, an incident occurred, meaning something happened. 
an incident occurred whereby, meaning an incident, uh, something happened in which blah, 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 thing happened. Uh, so the police officer doesn't finish the question in, in Mulvaney's like, version. Um, an incident occurred whereby such and such, like, for example, an incident occurred whereby um, an item uh, went missing from the shop. I caught the bird by such and such. I see, well, uh, uh, like I said, I only passed through that area. Sorry, I can't hear. Like I said, I only passed through that area. I'm sorry, I can't help you. I hope you catch the guy. Like I said, I only passed through that area. Uh, I'm sorry, I can't help you. I hope you catch the guy. Like I said, I only passed through that area. Sorry, I can't help you. I didn't see anything. Hope you catch the guy. Well... Mr. Mulvaney, uh, a witness has came forward and... Well, Mr. Mulvaney, uh, a, witness ha- a witness has came forward. A witness has come forward. Uh, if a witness comes forward, it means a witness um, uh, makes themselves known to the police and probably gives a, a statement. So a witness has come forward. Mulvaney, uh, a witness has came forward and identified you as a... And identified you as a... And at this point, Mr. Mulvaney is like looking all surprised, like he's just realised that Mr. Mulvaney himself is the uh, is the suspect. I beg your pardon. I beg your pardon. I beg your pardon, which is like saying what? Sorry, what did you say? I beg your pardon. Normally, we say I beg your pardon not just when you didn't hear someone, but when you're sort of shocked or surprised by what they said. Beg your pardon. So it's when you're you find something a little bit rude or shocking, then you'd say, "I beg your pardon." I beg your pardon. If you just don't understand what someone says, you can just say, "Sorry," or "Sorry, what was that?" Sorry, what did you say? Sorry or what uh, are the standard ways that we uh, show that we didn't understand what someone said? But I beg your pardon uh, means that you're you're actually kind of shocked about what they said. I beg your pardon. You're saying I did this. You're saying I did this. You're accusing you're accusing me of being a shoplifter. You're accusing me of being a shoplifter. You're accusing me of being a shoplifter. So there's that there's that word again. Shoplifting is the name of the crime. Uh, to shoplift is the verb, and a shoplifter is the person, all right? So remember, shoplifting means stealing from a shop, and it's usually considered to be a fairly petty crime, like stealing an item of clothing or stealing a chocolate bar or something. Now, obviously, it's a crime, uh, but, you know, on the scale of all the crimes, it's a, it's a fairly petty one. Excuse me, you're, uh, you're accusing me? You're accusing me of, of being a shoplifter? <laughs> Sludicrous. That's ludicrous. That's a good word. Come on, people. Ludicrous. This is a good word. So ludicrous means ridiculous, okay? This is ludicrous. This is ludicrous. Uh, okay, so ludicrous, good word. Um, good, nice, big, solid, chunky word, isn't it? Ludicrous. Ludicrous meaning this is absolutely ludicrous. This is ridiculous. Uh-huh, okay. This is ludicrous. <laughs> this is ludicrous. What exactly, what exactly is I'm supposed to have, uh... What exactly is it that I'm supposed to have, uh, 
and he's searching for his word. I mean, it's a good performance by Limmy, and it's a good performance by Mr. Mulvaney, to be honest. He's very convincing as the uh, as the sort of uh, innocent man, falsely accused. You, you, what is it that I'm I'm supposed to have? Um, uh, and you know, he doesn't want to use the word stolen, so he uses a, a, a the word pinched instead to pinch something. Uh, now, we know what pinch means. It's when you kind of grab something between your thumb and your forefinger. For example, you might pinch your skin. If you want to check if you're dreaming, you pinch your skin, right? Okay, that's pinch. Uh, but pinch also means steal. But it's like a slightly less serious word for stealing. You know, someone pinched my pen, for example. Who pinched my pen? Or I had a lighter in my pocket. Someone's pinched my lighter. Um, so he doesn't want to say stolen, so he chooses to say pinched instead because it sounds less serious. Exactly, what exactly is I'm supposed to have uh, pinched a kinder surprise, Kathy? What the hell is that? A kinder surprise. So it's he's apparently he's stolen a kinder surprise. Do you know what a kinder surprise is? Uh, it's basically like a kind of a, a chocolate egg for children. It's like a chocolate egg with a little toy inside. A kinder surprise. So apparently Mr. Mulvaney, what, what we've worked out now is that Mulvaney stole a kinder surprise from a shop and now he's paranoid that the police are looking for him and in, actually they're not looking for him at all. It's all in his head. Arthur, what the hell is that? And he's even pretending to talk to his secretary, Kathy. Like a kin- and he's pretending not to know what a kinder surprise is. Surprise, Kathy, what the hell is that? A kinder surprise, Kathy, what the hell is that? You're accusing me of stealing a, a, a chocolate egg with a, a toy and said, okay, just, I don't know who's, name a number officer, both of you, Kathy, take a note of us, name a number, both of you, how dare you come into my office and accuse. Okay, now he starts to get angry at the accusation. He's like, I don't know who put you up to this. Now, he doesn't say that full phrase, I don't know who put you up to this. Uh, he starts to say it, but he doesn't complete saying it. Uh, I don't know who put you up to this. If someone puts you up to doing something, it means someone kind of um, or oh, makes someone do something. I don't know who put you up to this. It's the sort of thing you would say uh, when you, you're being accused of something or someone is doing something to you um, and uh, you don't think it's right. So I don't know who put you up to this. It's like saying, I don't know who made you think that I did something wrong. I don't know who um, um, caused you to, to, to do this to me. Uh, I don't know who made you do this to me. I don't know who put you up to this. Um, I don't know who put you up to this. And then he, then he demands to have their names and numbers, these two imaginary police officers that he's talking to. Right, both of you, name and number, he says. Name and number. So he's demanding to get their details. A kinder surprise, Kathy. What the hell is that? You're accusing me of stealing a, a, a chocolate egg with a... A toy and said, okay, just, I don't know who's, name a number officer, both of you, Kathy, take a note of us, name a number, both of you, how dare you come into my office and accuse How dare you come into my office and accuse me, writes, and then the phone rings, and it's his secretary just confirming that the taxi has been ordered. Kathy? Hi, that's your taxi book for 9am tomorrow morning. Thank you. Kathy, did I just see a couple of police come in here, hello? Did I just see a couple of police coming in here earlier? 
Did I just see a couple of police come in here earlier? He says. Uh, Kathy, did I just see a couple of police come in here earlier? I just see a couple of police come in here earlier. Yes, you did. They were asking Mr. Crookshanks to turn off his car alarm. Yes, you did. They were asking Mr. Crookshanks to turn off his car alarm. They were asking Mr. Crookshanks to turn on off his car alarm. I can't do the accent. <laughs> they were asking Mr. Crookshanks to turn off his car alarm. So one of the things you'll notice there is that rhotic R sound like that. The uh, uh, To turn off his car alarm. Car alarm. Car alarm. Mm. Okay, car alarm. So when I go r, r, the R sound, they go r, like a, a rhotic R with the tongue uh, closer to the roof of the mouth. Car alarm. Car alarm. Police come in here, hello. Yes, she did. They were asking Mr. Crookshanks to turn off his car alarm. Okay, I see. Uh, thank you. The stops. <laughs> so when he realises that he's got away with it, he turns back to himself and goes, This stops now. Meaning, uh, you know, I've got to stop this terrible cycle of behaviour, this, uh, this weird addiction to stealing kinder eggs even though the police aren't looking for him okay then right so that was um mr mulvaney and the cream egg um i'm gonna play you another one now uh, and this is uh mr mulvaney in his car this time and um so let's see so mr mulvaney is just driving in his car and he talks to his secretary again on the phone and then he notices in the mirror uh, of the car, in the middle of talking to his his secretary, he notices uh, driving behind him. There's a police car, and again he panics. And it's very funny to see his face when he panics because his eyes go all wide, and he's like shocked and he doesn't know what to do. He panics, and I think he ends the call, and then he starts to talk to himself again in order to you know prepare himself for the inevitable line of questioning that the police are going to uh, give him when they pull him over. So what's he? Do? He's probably done something else now which he feels guilty about. Um, okay. Good morning, Mulvaney Group. Kathy, it's uh, Mr. Mulvaney here. Hello, Mr. Mulvaney. Kathy, I'm running a little late for the uh, subdirectors meeting, so could you begin putting the reports out in the boardroom table, please? No bother. Uh, I'd just like them to get familiar with the numbers before I get there. There are uh, three reports in total, I believe. The first one is. He's just seen the police car now, and he's panicking. Hello? Are you still there, Mr. Mulvaney? Kathy, can I call you back, please? No Thank you. Okay, okay, just, just calm down there, calm down. Just uh, don't look at, don't look at them, don't look at them. Just calm down. They might, they might just pass you by. Just don't attract attention. Not too fast, not too slow. Just easy as she goes. Easy as she goes. Hello, officer. How can I help you? Uh, sorry to pull you over, Mr. Mulvaney, but. Uh, uh, we've had a report from a, a shopkeeper who has uh, uh, informed us that... <laughs> you don't believe him, do you? <laughs> well, Mr Mulvaney, the, the shopkeeper has... Uh... No, no, officer, hold on a second here. This is my word against his and you're taking the side of a shopkeeper. Officer, look around you. Why would I lie? Open your eyes and look. Well, Mr Mulvaney, uh, the CCTV footage uh, clearly shows that... Of course. CCTV. 
Uno. Uno. The police are now pulling up alongside him, they're, but they're they're just overtaking him. But he's assuming that they're going to pull him over, but they just drive past him. They don't care about him at all. They're not looking for him. So he's got away with it again. But of course, he's now, you know, all stressed out because he, he was convinced that he was about to get arrested. The police are driving away in front of him. And he's relieved. So he's just he's just like um, uh, wound the window down, and he's reaching his hand to the passenger seat. And we now know we now see that he's got a chocolate bar on the uh, on the passenger seat, and uh, he, he's picked up the chocolate bar. It's a star bar, and. Uh, He's like really quickly thrown it out of the window and wound up the window and now he's all relieved again. It never happened. (laughs) And then it uh, shows, uh, the screen says, later that night. And now we see it's dark and uh, Mr. Mulvaney is searching the grass next to the road where he threw the chocolate bar, trying to find the chocolate bar. And he's found it and he's wearing gloves and he's got a cloth, and he's, uh, he's wiping the fingerprints off the chocolate bar. So he's obviously gone back later that night after realizing that uh, they, the police might fingerprint the chocolate bar. And he's, he's now wiping the, fing- never happened. He's wiping the fingerprints off the chocolate bar, convincing himself that uh, he's going to get away with it again. Um, okay, so there you go. That was another one. And you know what I'm going to do? Yes, I am. I'm going to uh, go through that again and uh, make sure that you understand it word for word, okay? Uh, because I want you to be able to understand all of this. So let's go. So there he is in his car, calling his secretary. Good morning, Mulvaney Group. Kathy, it's uh, Mr. Mulvaney here. Hi. Yeah, fine. Kathy, it's Mr. Mulvaney here. Kathy, I'm running a little late for the uh, subdirectors meeting. So- I'm running a little late for the subdirectors meeting. I'm running a little late for the subdirectors meeting. So could you blah 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 blah. Uh, subdirectors meeting. So could you begin putting the reports out on the boardroom table, please? So could you begin putting the reports out on the boardroom table, please? So could you begin putting the reports out on the boardroom table? So, you know, imagine some typical business situation where uh, he's, he's having a, a meeting and he wants uh, a bunch of reports to be put onto the boardroom table so that when everyone comes into the meeting room, they will have copies of the report there available for them to be able to, to, to look at it. Okay. So the boardroom table, please. No. So could you begin putting the reports out on the boardroom table, please? No bother. No bother. No bother. It's basically, you know, no problem. No problem. No worries. Uh, i just like them to get familiar with the numbers before they get there. I would just like them to get familiar with the numbers before they get there. No bother. Uh, i just like them to get familiar with the numbers before they get there. There are uh, three reports in total, I believe. The first one is... There are three reports in total, I believe. The first one is... So it's just, you know, just typical sort of business talk. And uh, then... He looks, he does a double take. 
You know what you know what that is? That's when you look at something and you look away and then you look back again really quickly. You know, you kind of look at something and then you look back and you realize, oh my God. So he does a double take when he looks in the in the rear view mirror, glances at the rear view mirror, you know, and then quickly looks back because he's seen that there's a police car behind him. And his eyes grow wide, uh, wide and he looks Hello? all he looks all scared. Are you still there, Mr. Mulvaney? Kathy, can I call you back, please? Okay, Kathy, can I call you back, please? No bother. Thank you. Okay, so now he's starting to reassure himself, practicing going through his alibi again and practicing having this conversation. And one of the things I enjoy about the conversation is the fact that in this version of his uh, simulated conversation with the police, he's actually caught. He actually gets caught in this version of the conversation because of the CCTV footage. CCTV is closed circuit television. CCTV refers to, you know, uh, cameras, security cameras. So the CCTV footage is the, um, you know, the video footage that was caught by the security cameras in the shop. Um, So anyway, this is Mr. Mulvaney now kind of practicing uh, the conversation that he's going to have when the police pull him over. To pull someone over, you know, that's when the police uh, stop a car uh, by the side of the street, you know, like, woo, woo, you know, pull over the car, please. In in America, uh, pull over the car, please. They don't they don't actually use loudspeakers in in Britain. They don't you know do that in America. They, the police have like loudspeakers on the top of the car. Pull over the pull over the car, please, Miss Mulvaney. You know, but uh, not in the UK. Uh, but anyway, pull over, pull over. Okay, okay, just just calm down there, calm down. Just uh, don't look at don't look at them, don't look at them, don't look at them, don't look at them. So he has another look, and then he's like, don't look, don't look at them, don't look at them. Don't look at them, don't look at them. Calm down, calm down. Don't look, don't look at them. Calm, does he say dune? Calm down, or calm down? Okay, just, just calm down there, calm down. Calm down, that's it, down. Calm down. Just uh, don't look, don't look at them, don't look at them. Just calm down, mate. Right? Calm down. They just pass you by. Just don't attract attention. Not too fast, not too slow. Just- they might just pass by. Don't attract attention. Don't attract attention. If you attract attention, it means you do something that makes people notice you. So don't attract attention. Just not too fast, not too slow. Steady as she goes, right? By just don't attract attention. Not too fast, not too slow. Just easy as she goes. Easy as she goes. That's the sort of thing you say to someone when you're trying to, you know keep yourself calm or keep someone calm easy as she goes which means like continue moving in a steady in easy way easy as she goes easy as she goes hello officer how can i help you hello officer how can i help you and he, he, he the expression on his face he's obviously uh, really nervous but trying to be friendly and normal and so imagine someone looking really nervous but trying to smile how hello officer how can i help you uh, sorry to pull you over mr mulvaney sorry to pull you over mr mulvaney but uh, uh, we've had a report from a, a shopkeeper we've had a report from a shopkeeper We've had a report from a, a shopkeeper who has uh, uh, informed us that who has uh, informed us that 
So again, slightly formal police language. We've had a report from a shopkeeper who's informed us that you know that you you know that um, something has been stolen from uh, the shop, and he identified you as being the one who did it. Um, so uh, we've had a report from a shopkeeper who informed us that blah blah blah, which is another way of saying um, a shopkeeper has told us that you did blah blah blah. You don't believe him, do you? <laughs> you? You don't believe him, do you? So he's acting uh, sort of uh, uh, like he, 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 you know, he's surprised and shocked, and that, that there's no way this could be true. You don't, you don't believe him, do you? That's ridiculous. This is ludicrous. Well, Mister Mulvaney, the, the, the shopkeeper has uh, no, no officer. Hold on a second here. No, uh, officer, hold on a second here. So now he's indignant. Hold on a second here, Mr. Uh, hold on a second here, officer. Uh, no, no, officer, hold on a second here. This is my word against his, and you're taking the side of a shopkeeper. Uh, this is my word against his, which is what you say when there's an argument where, you know, um, uh, one person says one thing and another person says another thing. Uh, for example, one person says this thing happened. Another person says that it didn't happen. And they would say, it's just it's just my word against his, or it's your word against mine, or it's his word against hers, for example, which just means that, you know, who do we believe? It's just your word against his. Okay. There's no evidence for it. It's just which person do we believe? It's it's your word against his. It's it's his word against mine. This is my word against his and you're taking the side of a shopkeeper. You're taking the side of a shopkeeper um, and suggesting that uh, Mr. Mulvaney is the one with the you know much better reputation that they should take. Why are they taking the side of just some shopkeeper? It's 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 his word against mine and you're taking a, the side of a shopkeeper. It's my word against his and you're taking the side of a shopkeeper. Officer, look around you. Why would I lie? Open your eyes and look. Why look around you? Why would I lie? Open your eyes and look. You know, just which basically is a way of suggesting. Look, you know, I've got. Look at my rich, expensive lifestyle. Look at this big, expensive car I've got. Why would I steal from a shop? Well, and the <laughs> the fact is that he did do it. Uh, and yet the police aren't looking for him. Well, Mr. Mulvaney, uh, the CCTV footage. Uh... But in this version, in his head, the police continue with their inquiry uh, and they start talking about the CCTV footage, the uh, security camera footage. Well, Mr. Mulvaney, uh, the CCTV footage uh, clearly shows that... Of course. CCTV. <laughs> and, uh, so in this conversation in his head, he's now... Uh, realised that there was CCTV footage which he'd forgotten about. So he's now just realised that the CCTV footage uh, must be incriminating him. CCTV footage uh, clearly shows that... Of course. CCTV. Of course. The, the CCTV. Oh no. And then he starts going, Oh no. Oh no. Which is the sort of thing you would say when you realise that something terrible is going to happen to you. Um, like he's just realised that his life is now going to come crashing down when he's found guilty of the theft of a chocolate bar. Oh no. Oh no. Oh no. And then he looks in the, in the rear view mirror of the car again and he notices that the police have disappeared and we think, oh my God, has he, has he got away with it? Maybe the police aren't... aren't uh, Maybe the police have just gone. 
but then we then he realizes and we see his eyes all wide again he realizes then that the police are in fact driving right next to him so they're not behind him anymore they're now driving next to him <sighs> and he's wondering if they're going to pull him over or not so there's a moment of tension where we wait and see if the police are going to pull him over or not and his life his whole life is on a knife edge at this point And the, the police drive past him and he tries to act as if uh, nothing's wrong. But the police just drive off. He's got away with it. And he makes, he sighs with relief. Like that. And that's when he then uh, winds down the window and without drawing attention to himself, quickly throws the chocolate bar out of the window and then drives away. <sighs> Getting away with it. <sighs> okay, all right then. Um, you can find that video on the page for this episode if you want to uh, see it again. Um, and I recommend that you do because um, there's lots of visual stuff going on, like the expressions on his face that kind of make a difference. I'm going to play one more Mr. Mulvaney sketch for you, and I think that'll be it for this episode. But um, I think what I'll do is immediately do another one because there was another sketch which is like a different character in a different voice that I also want to do with you. Um, how are you doing? Are you all right? Are you keeping up with this? No idea if you're keeping up with this. I certainly hope you are. Uh, I understand that episodes like this are, you know, I guess what, a little bit different, maybe a little challenging. Um, and I'm speaking from experience, having done, having sort of um, uh, used comedy videos in my English classes before, like I said before, um, and, you know, moments where instead of having the, the, the results that I sort of hoped for, in those moments, you know, where I played The Office or Monty Python or something, I always kind of hoped that, for example, on a Friday afternoon, the last day of the course, you know, I think to myself, I know we're going to have a little bit of fun this afternoon. We're just going to watch the uh, comedy sketch and try and understand it. And I think you're going to enjoy it. And then I play it and they hate it. You know, they, none of them understand it. And uh, they, you know, they just don't find it funny. And it just kind of confirms all of the preconceptions and prejudices that they had about British comedy not being funny and it just confirms the prejudices and preconceptions that they had about Scottish accents being unintelligible and and weird sounding to their ears and I feel disappointed because no one laughs and no one enjoys it and it puts a really sour end on the on the experience and I just kind of think oh god I'm not going to do that again so maybe that's happening to you right now maybe you're experiencing that I don't know but I, I hope not all right I certainly hope not maybe it's just a, a, a challenging learning experience for you um anyway i'm doing it aren't i yes i am so um so that's that let's have um another one uh, of mr mulvaney's sketches because i just like the character of mr mulvaney so in this one um mr mulvaney is clearly planning to do something to 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 commit another random act of of petty crime um, the sort of thing that a bored teenager with some issues might do, you know, uh, like shoplifting or something. Uh, you know, the way that, that, that teenagers who are maybe, you know, experiencing some problems in their lives, um, teenagers who, who lack direction in their lives and uh, maybe having some emotional issues might 
in, indulge in behavior which is sort of random and dangerous and maybe even criminal um, as a sort of an adrenaline rush. You know, the kind of thing. So that could in- involve shoplifting or it could also involve doing things like making prank phone calls, like phoning the police with a fake uh, report and then running away or, um, you know, doing petty acts of vandalism, like sort of, you know, smashing a window and then running away just for the adrenaline rush of it, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, Or maybe even setting off a fire alarm in a building, even when there's no fire, causing a lot of disruption, causing the fire service to come to the building and causing uh, all of the people working in that building to, to evacuate just as a prank, you know, just as a kind of practical joke or prank, the sort of thing that, uh, you know, an immature or, or maybe slightly disturbed person would do. Well, that's what Mr. Mulvaney is clearly planning to do this time as he sits in his office, uh, distracted by his obsessive compulsive um, 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 uh, what compulsions? Yes, his his obsessive compulsions, like shopkeeping, uh, shopkeeping, no shoplifting. In this in this one, he's going to set off the fire alarm and pretend that it wasn't him. Um, okay, so and and before he does it, he gives himself a pep talk, um, practicing what he's going to say if the police come to ask him. Uh, about it. Um, okay, so this is him kind of uh, uh, imagining uh, he's he's explaining himself to the police after having uh, set off the fire alarm in his office. So he's sitting behind his desk again, going through the okay, t- okay, going through his little pep talk. Okay, 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 okay. Let's just go over this one more time. Let's get this water to you. Hello, officer. How can I help you? Oh, well, Mr. Mulvaney, it's, uh, it's about the fire alarm. Uh, oh, yes, of course. A terrifying experience having a fire in the building. Uh, oh, well, Mr. Mulvaney, there, uh, there was no fire. We believe the fire alarm was triggered either maliciously or as a, as a practical joke. Uh, really? Uh, well, I failed to see the funny side. It caused a major disturbance. Have you caught the fellow? Uh, well, Mr. Mulvaney, I would actually like to ask you where you were at the time of the fire alarm being triggered. Why? No, you're, you're not saying that. You're saying I did it? Okay, okay, officer. You want to know what it was? Okay, I'll tell you. I was in the toilet. Okay, you'd like to embarrass me? I was in the toilet. Now, considering there is no fire alarm trigger in the toilet, are you seriously suggesting that I just stood up from my desk... Walked down the corridor, triggered the fire alarm for no reason, and then raced into the toilet as fast as I could, and then stepped right back out again to pretend to everyone I was there all along. Is that what you're suggesting? Quite preposterous, isn't it? Okay, what he's doing now is he's he's got up from his desk, he's walking over uh, across the office, he's obviously going to now set off the fire alarm, He's walked out of the door. And there's the fire alarm. So obviously he's just gone on set off the fire alarm. Everyone's leaving the room. Everyone's leaving the office. And he's ushering people out, looking all responsible, while also doing up the the zip on his trousers, uh, pretending that he was in the toilet. Okay, all right then. Fine, there you go.
All right, now I'm going to, uh, yes, I will go through that one now for you as well so that you can understand the vocab because, you know, whether you whether or not you find these things amusing or not is, is one thing. But, uh, um, you know, let's look at the language because that's, uh, that's kind of what this is all about as well, isn't it? So let me go through that one again because, there are, there, you know, there are some really nice bits of vocabulary in, in, uh, in Mr. Mulvaney's uh, speech to the police there. So here we go. So he's obviously he's sitting there as if he's been um, preparing this whole thing for for hours, uh, working it through in his mind, and he's he's working out his story and his excuse, and he's now going to go through it with himself one more time to make sure that it's it's watertight. Okay, watertight. If something is watertight, it means that it doesn't let water through. For example, a, a, a bottle. Uh, if you put the lid on a bottle. That bottle is then watertight. If you turn up the bottle upside down, the water doesn't come out. It's watertight. So a watertight container is a container that uh, holds water without any of the water leaking or dripping out of it. So watertight. Similarly, a watertight story could be one in which the, it holds all the truth in it. That none, none of the, you know, nothing leaks out. That it doesn't reveal any, any, any of the lies. That nothing leaks out of the story. That it's a fully solid um, and watertight uh, story. Okay, so that's what he's preparing. He's like, okay, let's go through this one more time just to make sure that it's f- completely watertight. Okay, okay. Let's just go over this one more time. Let's get this watertight here. Let's go over this one more time. Let's get this watertight here. Let's go over this one more time. Let's get this watertight here. Okay? Okay, okay. Let's go over this. To go over something means to kind of um, basically... uh, Let's explain. To summarize something or to go from the start to the finish. Okay? Let's go over this one more time. Let's get this watertight. Let's just go over this one more time. Let's get this water tight here. Hello, officer. How can I help you? Oh, well, Mr. Mulvaney, it's, uh, it's about the fire alarm. Uh, well, Mr. M- well, Mr. Mulvaney, it's about the fire alarm. Uh, oh, yes, of course. Uh, oh, yes, of course. A terrifying experience having a fire in the building. It's a terrifying experience having a fire in the building. It's a terrifying experience having, the fi- having a fire in the building. It's a terrifying experience having a fire in the building, uh... Oh, well, Mr. Mulvaney, there, uh, there was no fire, we... Well, Mr. Mulvaney, there, there, there was no fire. Believe the fire alarm was triggered either maliciously or as a, as a practical joke. We believe the fire alarm was triggered either maliciously or, at a, or as a practical joke. We believe the fire alarm was triggered either maliciously or as a practical joke. So to trigger the fire alarm, I think you know what that means, to set the fire alarm off, to trigger the fire alarm. We believe the tr- fire alarm was triggered either maliciously or as a practical joke. So to do something maliciously would be to do something with bad intentions, okay? Um, to do something maliciously, maliciously, M-A-L-I-C-I-O-U-S-L-Y, um, and in a manner characterized by malice or ill will, meaning with bad intentions, uh, with the intent to do harm. So we believe the fire alarm was um, was triggered 
uh, either maliciously or as a practical joke. A practical joke is the sort of, you know, thing like a trick that you play on someone. Like, for example, you know, leaving a bucket of water on the floor and when someone comes into the room, they, they fall into the bucket of water. You know, that's a practical joke. Maliciously, what is that? We believe the fire alarm was triggered either maliciously or as a practical joke. Fire alarm was triggered either maliciously or as a, as a practical joke, yeah. Really? Well, I fail to see the funny side. I fail to see the funny side. That's a nice expression. Again, again, Mr. Mulvaney is speaking in this, you know, fairly proper way. It's a fairly sort of neutral to formal level of English. It's a kind of professional, business-like type of English. I fail to see the funny side, which means to say, which, which means, you know, I don't think that's funny. I fail to see the funny side. Um, he's trying to trying to pretend that he uh, he's taking it seriously, you know. I fail to see the funny side. It caused a major disturbance. Have you caught the fellow? It caused a major disturbance. Have you caught the fellow? Meaning, have you have you caught the man who did it? I, f- I fail to see the funny side. It caused it caused a major disturbance. I mean, Mister Mulvaney is lying through his teeth here to police that aren't even there. Um, He's, he's, yeah, I don't know what's wrong with him. Well, I fail to see the funny side. It caused a major disturbance. Have you caught the fellow? Uh, well, Mr. Mulvaney, would actually like to ask you where you were at the time of the fire alarm being triggered. Check out the sentence stress. Well, actually, Mr. Mulvaney, we would like to ask you where you were uh, at the time uh, of the fire alarm. Okay, we do you notice the emphasis on you. Actually, uh, you know, so, so there's the... It starts with, um, I hope, you know, I, I hope you catch the fellow. Okay. I hope you catch the guy. And then they want to emphasize, they want to turn the attention to Mr. Mulvaney himself. So that's where the sentence stress comes into play. I hope you catch the fellow. Well, uh, Mr. Mulvaney, we were hoping to ask you about where you were. Okay. You can see the emphasis there. At the time of the fire. At the time of the fire alarm. Mulvaney would actually like to ask you where you were at the time of the fire alarm being triggered. Why? No, you're, you're not saying it. You're saying I did it. Okay, okay, officer. You want to know what it was? Oh. He's sort of immediately rushing to give his, uh, his alibi a little bit too quickly here, uh, which is another sort of symbol that he's, he's guilty, right? Okay, I'll tell you. I was in the toilet. Okay, you'd like to embarrass me. I was in the toilet. I was in the toilet. If you'd, you okay, you'd like to embarrass me. I was in the toilet. Now, considering there is no fire alarm trigger in the toilet. Now, considering there's no fire alarm trigger in the toilet. Are you seriously suggesting that I just stood up from my desk? Are you seriously suggesting that I just stood up from my desk? Walked down the corridor. Walked down the corridor. Triggered the fire alarm for no reason. Triggered the fire alarm for no reason. And then raced into the toilet. And then raced into the toilet. As fast as I could. As fast as I could. And then stepped right back out again to pretend to everyone I was there all along. And then stepped right out again to to pretend to everyone that I was there all along. Is that what you're suggesting? Is that what you're suggesting? Now, clearly, uh, Mr. Mulvaney has been going through this plan far in far too much detail in preparation by, you know, for example, uh, checking the toilet to see if uh, there is a fire alarm trigger there and 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 so on. 
um, in order to make sure that he's got a foolproof and fully watertight alibi before he then uh, sets off the fire alarm. And we don't even know why. I mean, he's just sort of slightly compulsive and weird. Quite preposterous. Quite preposterous. So there's another one. So we've we've had uh, ludicrous and preposterous, both of which mean ridiculous. Okay, ludicrous, preposterous, and ridiculous. It's quite preposterous, meaning it's a it's an absolutely ludicrous or ridiculous claim. Preposterous. P R E. How do you spell preposterous without writing it down? Pre. Okay, hold on. P R E P. O S T E R O U S. Preposterous. Um, you know, completely absurd, ridiculous, uh, ludicrous, uh, and, uh, you know, nonsensical. Absolutely preposterous. Yeah, quite preposterous. Quite preposterous, isn't it? Here he's using quite as an, as an emphasis on the word preposterous, meaning very preposterous, because preposterous is an extreme adjective. And you can use the word quite with an extreme adjective to, to mean very, in fact. If it's, a, if it's not an extreme adjective, for example, you know, uh, if, it's, if the word is hot, you can say it's quite hot. That means a little bit hot. But if it's an extreme adjective, like preposterous, uh, it actually means very preposterous or totally preposterous. Okay, quite preposterous. Quite preposterous, isn't it? So he's now sort of nodding his head, looking, you know, like he's convinced, uh, at which point he then gets up from his desk and um, sets off the fire alarm. What on earth is up with Mr. Mulvaney? Uh, we don't know. All right, then. So uh, that's the end of this uh, episode about, um, well, so many things, I suppose, about, first of all, uh, some British comedy, also, you know, sort of listening to uh, this Glaswegian accent uh, from Mr. Mulvaney and the slightly kind of business-like, fairly formal um, uh, uh, vocabulary of the police and, and Mr. Mulvaney's uh, um, uh, answers to the police and the bizarre nature of this comedy sketch and also uh, the motivations of this um, this executive-level businessman who seems to be caught up in obsessive-compulsive behaviour um, and you know the whole thing presented as a as a comedy sketch uh, by Limmy and his his excellent performance. Um, I've said it before and I've said it again. Um, explaining a joke is like dissecting a frog, uh, and it might be possible to learn a thing or two from it. But um, the frog dies in the process, and I wouldn't be surprised if I've also killed the humour. Killed the comedy uh, in both in all of those uh, videos by attempting to explain them. You know, it's I mean, it's just it's just a mission that I'm on. I'm trying to explain comedy, which is perhaps unexplainable. Uh, anyway, I will continue uh, doing it, um, and uh, I hope you continue enjoy listening to it. All right, then that's the end of this episode, and I'm going to do another one um, about another sketch, which I expect I'm going to record. Um in a few minutes. I'm now going to have my lunch and then I'll, I'll get back to doing some more podcasting. Let me know what you think of all of this stuff, okay? Do let me know. I wonder how many of you are still listening at the end of the episode. Um, if you are still listening, then, you know, good for you. You, you hung in there. I often talk in fairly self-deprecating and self-effacing terms at the end of an episode, don't I? I? I often say things like, you know, I wonder how many people are listening or well done if you managed to survive until the end. 
who am I to, to, to say, you know, whether you enjoy it or not? Um, who am I to say, you know, many of you may be listening to this going, shut up, Luke, we like it. Stop, stop uh, beating yourself up or whatever. All right. I will then. I will. And I'll carry on in the next episode. Thanks for listening. Speak to you on the podcast soon. But for now, it's just time to say goodbye. Bye, 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 bye. Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk.